Happy New Year and welcome to the 99 Yards podcast. I'm your host, Adam Barton, and today I'm joined by Shona Duthie, Stuart Taylor and Duncan Terry. How are you guys? How did you ring in the new year? Yeah, uh, I had a quiet one. I had some pizza and just had uh, a couple of drinks in the house. I was being sensible. Did some Zooms. <laughs> Mine was the uh, the Hooter Nanny, as it is every year. Can't, can't, can't beat it, I think. Yeah, we had a takeaway and we're probably late to this party on this one. We started watching Stranger Things and that was about it, really. Tonight we have a jam-packed show looking at the case to save some of the under-pressure head coaches in the league. New Year's resolutions to improve teams across the league and we'll play Fantasy QB, moving, moving some of them around the league. But first, at the start of next week, we'll see, see us most, most of us groggily going back to work and also Black Monday. Several coaches are on a very hot seat at the moment, but we're going to look at the case to defend them and, and see how they can keep their jobs. We've already seen Bill O'Brien, Dan Quinn and Matt Patricia shown the door. There could be vacancies at the Jets, Jaguars, Chargers, Bengals and even in Philadelphia. Stuart, which head coach would you like to state a case for? I'm going to make a case for one of the head coaches who might find themselves under pressure that you, you hadn't mentioned, but was um, Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. They're currently a 6-9 and nine team after a bit of a disappointing season, and Zimmer undoubtedly will, will come under a bit of pressure for that, as they were expected to do a, a bit better um, this year. However, uh, Zimmer, who's been, been a head coach now with the team for uh, seven seasons, started off 7-9 and nine in his first year, but the next years has gone 11-5, and 8-8, eight and 13-3, eight, 8-7-1, and, and 10-6. and six. Um, So he's had a pretty good record in Minnesota. Um, This will be his first losing season, apart from his uh, first uh, season in charge. He's kind of made his name um, on the back of his defences that he's had previously, but this year they've um, had to do without uh, Daniil Hunter with with a herniated disc for pretty much the whole year. Anthony Barr's been out since week two in the linebacker position. Um, So again, another big miss. And one of their off-season pickups on the defensive line, Michael Pierce, was a COVID opt-out. They've got a nucleus of a good offence in Minnesota as well, with rookie sensation Justin Jefferson having a really, really good year. They've got Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook's been brilliant this year. So they've got a nucleus of a team there with some defensive pieces uh, coming back. I think that Zimmer deserves another crack at it, hopefully with a healthy roster, and and they could be a much better team next year. That's a, that's yeah, a, good, that's a good shout, yeah. It's quite a tight division where if a couple of things go wrong uh, for you in, in Minnesota, then you're going to fall down a lot more than would be noticeable in, in other divisions, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got the, the Packers, who are always going to be a tough team in that division. And the Bears are a funny team. I mean, they're still in the mix with one week to go as well, despite their issues. So, yeah, you, you're right what you say about them kind of being in a tricky division at times. They've got some great pieces and seems to me like they just need to sort of draft some players in the trenches but how much one of a better word blame lies at the door lies at Kirk Cousins door yeah I think uh, Cousins is, is again he's he's one of these quarterbacks he, in some games he's had a stretch just recently where he's been really really good but at the start of the season he was he was poor they paid out a lot of money for not much gain I think he joined them I think after the 13-3 season when they, they did really well with, with Case Keenum, mostly under there, and they thought that Cousins would be the, the piece that would take them over yeah. that top, and it really hasn't worked out. No, it makes sense. makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, forgive me for, for moving on to mine, uh, just because there's a link. Uh, a team that actually have their quarterback uh, is, is the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Uh, and I'm going for Zach Taylor. I think Zach Taylor should stand the job because I think you should give coaches more than two seasons to make their mark, especially when you take over a team like the Bengals, who were seriously in the doldrums when he came along. They may not be wildly improving their record, but but they are, you know, a bit by bit. Um, and their pay and potential is, is much greater than, than the sum of their record. Um, they've got the quarterback now. I'd like to see how he does in his second year with, with people back from injury like Mixon and Jonah Williams. And key defenders as well, and Geno Atkins, DJ Reader are out at the moment. And you know, alongside that, they're in a really difficult division. They're up against the Ravens, Steelers, and the much improved Browns twice a year. Yeah, if, if they've got concerns, it might be their ability to his Zach Taylor's ability to make the changes. He's never been a head coach before. Is his first go around, you know, not even in college. But like Matt, Matt Lafleur, he comes to the Sean McVay coaching tree, and therefore along the way, you know, the Shanahan tree. So, so there's strength there. There's experience, there's not not experience, but uh, you know, there's a must have a wealth of knowledge you can call on. So yeah, I, th- I think as players like Burrows and T Higgins settle down, uh, I think you can see a much improved Bengals if you you know don't reset and reboot every ten years. Sorry, two it years. does. <laughs> it does seem that it's it's a team that screams transition. Obviously, Marvin Lewis was there for a long time, so Zach Taylor's going to have to take a bit more time to to put his own his own stamp on the team. And two very senior players on that team have have not really given him as much as they could have. Geno Atkins has had one tackle and and no sacks this season in eight games. AJ Green over the two years that Zach uh, Zach Taylor's been there has had only twelve hundred yards and. Every other season before that, he'd had a thousand yards, apart from one where he was injured and and still had about nine hundred yards. So the fact that they've got Joe Burrow there, and obviously they need to work to protect him and build a few more weapons around him. But I think they're they're onto something with Zach Taylor, and they were were exciting when Burrow was under center. Yeah, I was saying they were just before he got injured. The, with with Burrow, there seemed to be a good connection with T Higgins just starting to develop over the over the kind of mid part of the season, and I think. That's something we'll probably look out for next year to, to extend even further. How about you, Shona? I would give Anthony Lynn another chance. I, there is rumours that the Chargers might decide to move on from Anthony Lynn. I think there's the worry for Tom Telesco that if he doesn't can Lynn this season, that they'll probably both get sacked the next season if it doesn't improve. But I think he's done enough in December. And obviously he has the rookie quarterback now with Justin Herbert. And I, he's been the great shining light for the Chargers this year. And I think Anthony Lynn is the right coach to bring him along. So t- for me, I would hope that he stays. But I've got a feeling he might be the one that goes on Black Monday. That's an interesting one because fans seem to be you know, baying for, 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 for Lynn to go, don't they? Uh, perhaps more so for his situational play. Like the Falcons, you know, when they were playing each other a couple of weeks ago, there was that joke that, you know, which team's going to mess up in the last quarter? It's, uh, it's an interesting one. There was the one the week before that as well, where they really screwed up going into halftime, I think. And it's just, it, it, it's happening one too many times, I think. It's, but I'm I'm very torn with Lynn, because he had a very good start with the Chargers. But it seems that Herbert is the, uh, obviously, the, the, the quarterback to, that they're going to build around. And Lynn is almost holding them back a bit this season. Whether he can recover that next season, if, he, if he's given the time, is another matter. I just hope he stays in his job. <laughs> I really like him. So, but it's one of those things that, I thought, I can't remember his last name. I think it might have been Steve Wilkes when he was at the Cardinals. I thought he should have been given another go, but then they obviously they went out and got Cliff Kingsbury. It just kind of seems to be like the GMs just want to move on when it hasn't worked out for one season. The Chargers have been on a good run until this this season, so I, I think, I don't know, I would keep him, but we'll see. 
I'm with you. I, I mean, I, people are too too quick to fire your head coaches. Maybe look, you know, look at your coordinators before you do that, because the Chargers have got such potential. Uh, they've got two great receivers. They, you know, their running backs been out most of the year. I, 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 I'm with you. I'd give them a chance, you know. Yeah, they've got they've got some really good players on, on defense. Well, they've been out well, without Derwin James all year as well, who's a um, when he's been fit has been a, a real star for them as well. They're a frustrating team because they've got you, you look at the Chargers and you think they should be so much better than their record is with the pieces around them. Um, and I wonder if that's what might be Anthony Lynn's undoing is, is people saying they should be better than what they're doing. For me, I went with Doug Pedersen. I'd start this off by saying that going into the season, he was 38 and 26. Uh, obviously, he's, he's not had the best record uh, this season, so it's it's dropped it back towards uh, close towards 500. But the Pedersen's struggles have have been in line with with Carson Wentz and how he's dropped. So if if you want to move forward, Jalen Hurts, then I think it's worth giving him time with with Pedersen. The the stats on Wentz are are quite stark. I know we're going to talk about him a, a bit later, but his his completion percentage has dropped from six nearly seventy percent to fifty seven percent from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty twenty. Uh, his touchdown percentage is down from seven point five percent of his throws to three point seven, and his interceptions percentage is up from one point six percent to to three point four percent. Both of those are over between twenty seventeen and twenty twenty. They've they've lost. A lot of injury, a lot of players to to injury. Uh, you had Marquis Goodwin opt out, uh, and particularly on the O line, you've you've had Andre Dillard, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, and Jason Peters, who was already an emergency option, come in. So that that has obviously impacted the quarterback play quite a lot. There, the thing that I think has made things quite stark is that the the turnover differential is is minus nine, which is the third worst in the NFL. And that's something that's that's not going to be replicable from from season to season. So if if it gets back towards zero or or even positive over the uh, next year, then I think the Eagles could be far more competitive. I, I don't think that Pedersen has had a particularly good season, but given given his pedigree and what he's and his body of work with the Eagles, I think he deserves another year. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a strange situation they're in. They've just won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. You know. Uh, and they were fantastic. And Wentz was, before he got injured, looking like a possible MVP candidate. And now they're looking at one of the worst contracts going um, and wanting to play the guy they drafted last year. But, you know, they, they, they can't get rid of Wentz. You know, he costs too much. And what do you do? They're in a terrible situation, but I can't see him going just because, like you say, the, the history there, they'll give him another go. Um, but they're in a really tough spot. One thing, I guess you could pin this on, on Pedersen, but it also points to the struggles of Wentz, is they haven't scored 30 points in a game all season. And while the, the defence, it, it needs to be a bit better, they've been allowing 26.5 points a game. It's not two or three points less, a fewer points allowed, and, and the offence actually scoring 30 points. And you're you're winning more games and you're getting probably beyond 500. The, the offence has been the, the big problem this season. Just before we move on, is there anyone who you think could be under a little pressure who we haven't mentioned? I don't think he's under pressure, but Bill Belichick's an interesting one, isn't it? Isn't it? Just uh, he's uh, what is he now? The second oldest coach in the league, um, and he's he's done his time. He's got his award rewards. Uh, could, could he walk away? Maybe. No. <laughs> I thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah. Not I, happening. I would, I I wouldn't have thought I think, he'd walk away. I think he's got a job for life, personally. 
Yeah. I, I think he wants to stick around to, to show that he can do it without Tom Brady. Great point. We might need, like, you know, a Yoda-type situation, a massive battle to see Bill Belichick leave before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 I don't think he'd be fired, but, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, he'll, leave, he'll leave on his own terms, for sure. Not next, not this year, though. Not this year. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Who do you think is the most likely to stay out of the four, four we've mentioned, then? Probably yours, probably. I mean. Yeah, I would say Doug, Doug like, is likely to stay out of the four. I personally think the only one that might go is Anthony Lynn. Poor Anthony. <laughs> Interesting. Now let's get to the spirit of the season. We're looking at making resolutions for teams, whether their season ends on Sunday or they're looking to make a run into the playoffs. Shona, who do you have a resolution for? Well, we did this on Anzone Scoop yesterday, and my only piece of advice was if any... You know, team owner or player or anyone sees the name Adam or Gase anywhere near them, then they should just run. <laughs> I was waiting for you to defend him in the previous segment. Really? Me too. <laughs> I've got a campaign to usher him into the sea. I don't know if that would work for anyone. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. Uh, it, even when he was at Denver in that record-breaking season as the OC, it was Manning's team. Manning was in charge of the offense, uh, and I thought that was clear enough to to everyone. But I mean, the Dolphins had him, didn't they? And then the Jets had him, and he'll probably end up somewhere else as an OC, and, and they'll be unfortunate as well. Uh, um, just as a prediction. Poor team, whoever it is. What about you, Stuart? And my resolution this year was for a team we just spoke about uh, very briefly there about the Patriots and. It was to get some pass catchers. I think they should make a resolution to to get some pass catchers. Their the passing game this year has been dreadful. Their leading receiver is Jacoby Myers, who's had 661 yards overall. The rest of their they've only had one other player over 500 yards. Their leading tight end pass catcher is Ryan Izzo. If anyone's ever heard of Ryan Izzo, let me know. I, I I'd never heard of him before. They've got eight total receiving touchdowns. Uh, from the whole year, and Rex Burkhead's got three of those. And just to put that into context, there's nine players individually who've got eight touchdowns or more, uh, better than eight touchdowns. There's ten players who've got eight touchdowns, and Gronkowski himself has got seven touchdowns for the for the Buccaneers. So what, I, I'd written a piece about their, their quarterbacks earlier this week, but they really need to sort out the pass catching to facilitate any new quarterback coming into that team. What do you think, Duncan? I was going to use this segment to to pay tribute to Larry Fitzgerald and, and Frank Gore and say that the Cars and Jets should, should resign him and resign them. But in the uh, and and incredible players, it'd be a shame if we see the last of them this weekend. But um, I'm going with Jordan Love. The situation in Green Bay, it's the elephant in the room. Rogers is on an M- uh, you know, another MVP type season, and they shouldn't be afraid to admit they were wrong. They're gonna. You know, they're going to try and force things probably and still defend their situation, which is what teams do. And maybe rightfully so, you know, they don't want to ruin the guy before he's barely taken a snap. But Rogers still has so much left. And if they continue down this path, that's just not going to be good for Rogers and his mindset and as their star player. So they, they've got to be honest around the Jordan Love situation and, and their future and what they're doing there. Couldn't you argue that? Jordan Love being there has been a big catalyst for Rogers' performance. I, I don't think so because he's he's done this with or without a great backup. I think my my, my argument for him would be that they 
drafted Rogers while Brett Favre was still in his prime and brought him on over three seasons before he can start her. So if they're doing that, fine. But I think Rogers have got more in the tank than Brett Favre had in the tank uh, at the time. Yeah, and I think Rogers really this year, um, he's just taken a year to get into Matt Lafleur's way after having McCarthy as coach for such a long time. I think that that's probably been more important for him having an MVP type season than having Jordan Love looking over his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, imagine they like they said, all right, you know, maybe we did the wrong thing with Jordan Love. He's, he's a talented quarterback. He deserves better. Let's trade him for a receiver. You know, well, that would be so much better. But I don't think they'll do that. I think there's too much stubbornness. They've got to make sure they get something out of him, whether it's play on the field at the end of Rogers' contract or not paying for him to, to start next year or anything or, or trading him away. Uh, but they can't just allow nurture him for four years and allow him to leave in free agency. That would be the worst possible thing, I think. Exactly. And therein lies the resolution to sort out the, the situation. For me, I, I had a couple. The... The first one ties in with uh, with, with the, the saving of the coach in terms of the Eagles and they, the need for them to protect the, their quarterback. They've taken 62 sacks this season, which is by far the most. The The second highest team has 48. So that, that therein lies the problem. But obviously that's that's been a big part of, of Carson Wentz's decline. But even if they do go with, with Jalen Hurts going forward, as a young QB, he, he needs that protection. So they need to find a way both in terms of getting players back, uh, but in terms of drafting and potentially in free agency, but beefing up that offensive line. The, the second one I have, I'd be interesting, interested to get Stewart's view on it, and it's to, to get uh, Tua to be a little less cautious. He's had 6.3 yards per attempt on his throws across his rookie season. I, I know he's a rookie, so he needs time. But And, and the fact that they've, they've turned to Ryan Fitzpatrick a couple of times in relief and he's been far more effective in throwing the ball down the field I, I think shows that while it may be a good strategy it's not a long-term strategy that's going to work so it'll be interesting to see how they whether they can teach a bit of Patrick Mahomes into into Tua for uh, for year two. Yeah I think that um, Tua has been really really cautious and I think that's a lot of the play design um, from Chan Gailey as well they've started him off really slowly and I don't think he's been let off the leash, shall we say, and and I think that the part of that is 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 easing him into the NFL. Part of that's easing him in his injuries, but also the the Dolphins receivers aren't that great at, at getting much in the way of separation. That, that they're having to kind of use a lot of short passes and things. I think if they, they they probably will make some moves in the off season and he'll get more familiar with his offensive line. And I think we might see a bit more of an expansive passing game from the from the Dolphins next year. I'll tell you who else was eased in very cautiously in his first year and uh, some way into his second, although he didn't have a backup quarterback uh, to, to, to come in for him, was Russell Wilson. Uh, and the major difference, I think, would be that the Dolphins don't have a Marshawn Lynch to lean on, um, which is the huge shame. It's been a pretty revolving door running back, hasn't it? And the defence hasn't been at the same level as the, the Seahawks Quite, in yeah. 2012 as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, you said about the running backs, the, the two running backs that they, that they signed in the off-season, Matt Breed has hardly played and Howard's already back with the Eagles. They've, they've got uh, the two guys from Washington State, Gaskin and Ahmed, that are now kind of leading the running backs. So yeah, they've had a, had a lot of changes there o- over the season as well. Just if I might, could segue for just a second, Gaskins uh-huh. and, and Ahmed, how are they doing generally? And do you think they're the answer going forward? Or do you think we'll be looking for someone new? Because they've been pretty good. They have. Gaskin missed a few games just recently and came back against the Raiders and had a great game. 
Ahmed in his first couple of games has, has played really well as well. I think that as part of a committee, they they, they will do well. I, I think they could probably do with, as you mentioned earlier on, a Marshall, a real thumper um, coming out of the backfield as well, just to mix up things a little bit, um, particularly in the kind of short yards. But yeah, I, I could see both both of those guys playing their playing their role, and and they've they've done reasonably well, particularly given the kind of relative inexperience of both of them. It's time for trouble in the huddle. Our weekly opportunity to debate anything across the NFL landscape. This week we're playing a bit of matchmaker with it. There are a few veteran uh, quarterbacks with uncertain futures who haven't been given the best team to be playing with at the moment. Forget salary implications for a minute. Where would you like to see the likes of Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold or Deshaun Watson end up in 2021? Shona, which QB team pairing would you like to see next season? I think the Jets need to stick with Sam Darnold. And I know that like fans may not <laughs> agree with me, but they, look, the kid had ex-head coach Todd Bowles in his first season as a rookie. He then has Adam Gase for the past two years, and we know how bad that how that has gone at the Jets. They were 0-13 and until up until a couple of weeks ago. He's, under Gase, he has thrown 27 touchdowns and 22 interceptions with a 60.6% completion rate and also taken 65 sacks in 24 games, okay? That is not great. But if you're having a Gase as a head coach and he's calling all the all the plays, and like Duncan just mentioned before, in Denver, we all know Peyton was making those calls. He wasn't allowing Gase to run. It was, it was Peyton's team, you know, Peyton's offense. So I think he needs to give him another chance. I think people are finally seeing giving him the recognition that he deserves because basically people were saying that the reason the Jets need to move on is because they need a new quarterback and that's going to change everything. I don't think it is. I think they need to start building a team around him. I think that's that's the way forward because if you look at Miami, they traded Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans during the 2019 offseason and he's made huge strides under his new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. Over the past two terms, he's now thrown... 54 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. It's like he's a completely new man. And I think Darnold needs to be given that success, uh, a chance of that success at the Jets. You know, if they if they just decide to move on from Gase and do upgrade in the coaching ranks, which I think they absolutely need to do before next year, then, yeah, to me, I think that is, I don't think Darnold should be moved on. I think he should be given another chance at the Jets. And if it doesn't work out, then... Okay, you might get another rookie next year, but I think he needs to be given a chance to actually prove himself under a decent coach and a new coaching staff that will be more offensive-minded and track for success at the Jets compared to what he's had in, in the few seasons there in New York. Yeah, I'm just going to agree with you, Shona. If the Jets were picking at number one and it was Trevor Lawrence that they could go for, it might be a different question, but they're picking at two. And are the guys behind him absolutely nailed on as stars? I know there's been lots of questions about fields recently and Zach Wilson's been a, a guy who's shot up the draft boards but are they nailed on I'm not sure and and sticking with Arnold and building other pieces where they picks they've got around him might be a better option that's a great shout I'm, I'm actually with you imagine someone like Eric Bieniemy coming in from the Chiefs uh, someone you can really work with and, and realize that potential that he obviously has absolutely like you said now that they're at the, the Lawrence Stakes 
they could pick someone like Penny Shul and, and, and pair him at tackle with, with Beckton, who's been fantastic. And with the other pick in the first round, get themselves a receiver. You know, there's plenty to choose from, uh, you know, in the second half of the draft, I imagine. They'll still be, you know, at least a couple of them still be there. So I, th- I think they've they've got something. They've got a lot of potential. They've got a great cap level as well. So, you know, they can put something around him and, and realise some potential. And I think we'll forget that you don't... Darnold, this will be going into his, his fourth year, and he's a year younger than Joe Burrow. He's still really young. I, mean, I, I guess with his level of play so far as well, it'll be a cheaper contract too, won't it? And let's not forget, like he, the year he was drafted to the Jets, he was going to be picked as the number one, um, at the number one spot by the Browns until they opted to go for Baker Mayfield. I think people forget how talented he was in college, and I think that, yeah, like I said, and I'm glad people agree that he needs to, you know. If it, even if it doesn't work, the Jets can not extend, uh, not uh, opt out of his fifth year extension, and they can get a clean financial break from it. So there would be no financial strings attached. But then, even if he if he has a strong campaign, strong campaign, then they could franchise tag him or extend him. I think it's a win win situation for the Jets, and that's what I think they should do. What about you, Duncan? Um, well, I'm I've got Matt Stafford, and I'm moving him, uh, and I'm again. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm moving him to the Patriots. Sorry, everyone, <laughs> but uh, not for the Patriots, but for Matt Stafford because he's uh, he's an incredible player and you know j- just as good a person it seems. Um, he deserves better than the Lions, who let, let, let's be frank and sorry, Lions fans, but at the moment they they don't deserve nice things. Um, I, I, I really want him to be able to have some success that he deserves. The Patriots, obviously, uh, you mentioned Stuart. They've got a bit of a lack of weapons at the moment, but you know they've also got players coming back for, from their COVID uh, COVID years on on defense. Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. They can they can they can add a few pieces and and build something around him. Um, so so not for the Patriots to succeed again because uh, we we got a little ball of them, but for Stafford, who who deserves a little better in this half of his career. See, this is that's where I thought Donald would end up with uh, with fantasy QB. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of the Patriots either. But in terms of having a coach that would get the absolute best out of him, surely Bill Belichick and and Josh McDonald's McDaniel's would be the best option. Yeah, it, it, same goes to both of them. I, I went for Matt, Stab, Matt Stafford as the more established person uh, now that have had their Cam Newton experiment. Uh, and obviously, this is fantasy trades and everything. They might not be able to afford him, but um, you know, it's it, it'd be a, an interesting matchup. What about you, Stuart? When you mentioned about players uh, and, and forgetting salary implications for a bit, and you mentioned Deshaun Watson, my eyes lit up a little bit on that one, and it's a team I've already talked about, and I will move Deshaun Watson to the Vikings. I think under Gary Kubiak, um, with the um, offensive scheme that he runs, pairing him with the likes of Dalvin Cook in the backfield, and Thielen and Jefferson as well, and they've also got a couple of decent tight ends in, in Rudolph and uh, Smith. I think that would be a really, really dangerous offense if Deshaun Watson got in the mix with, with that bunch. He'd be a massive upgrade over Kirk Cousins. The players he has playing for the Vikings are a massive upgrade over what he's got in the Texans. They would have to sort out the offensive line a little bit for him. I think that would be that would be a great spot for Deshaun Watson to end up in. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line there. He's he's up there with Wilson as one of the most sacked quarterbacks, and you really wouldn't do him any favours in that respect moving to the Vikings. But on the you know, on the whole, it'd be a really exciting offence. All those uh, skill position players. 
I think Sean Watson dreams of having a receiver as fast as, as Justin Jefferson just to open up the field for him to, to work his magic. I think that would be a great pairing. Thanks, everyone. And we'll put a poll out for it so you can decide who convinced you the most and which matchup you think would be the, the best out of those. Finally, let's move to the Fast Five. Who will be in the playoffs come Monday morning? Duncan, let's get this one out of the way. I'm not going to say who wins it, but which team will end the season as the least worst in the NFC East? <laughs> this is the big question, hasn't it? And it's flip-flopped all season. Um, and I'm going to assume that it does it again. And this might be a bit of a surprise given where everyone was a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going for the Cowboys. It's a simple route. All they need to do is win against the Giants, uh, which is eminently possible. The Giants played a lot better. But so have the Cowboys, and then the Eagles need to beat the Reds, the Washington football team, um, which less likely, but again, not out of the question, because like I say, they've all lost a lot. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. Stuart, the, the Packers are in the playoffs as division champions and could rest their players, but they risk losing the, the, first, the, the top seed and, losing, and letting their biggest rivals into the playoffs. What should they do on Sunday? The short answer to this one is win. I think that it achieves two things. Um, it gets rid of the Bears for them, which would be a nice added bonus. But then they control where the playoffs go from there. The playoffs would really have to go through Lambeau if they win. They, if, if they don't win, and the, um, the only other team that can take the number one seed from them is the Seahawks. And I'm sure they would much rather be in control of, of, of um, having everything going through, through their home field than potentially having to go way up west um, to play Seattle. They've got the tiebreak over the Saints, so they don't really have to worry about what the Saints are doing, but the Seahawks are playing the 49ers, which game was which, which they could easily win. Yeah, I think the Packers should just go and win. There's been a lot of talk of rest this week, actually. With It's more on the AFC side, I guess, with the Steelers and Bills. It, it sounds like they're both going to rest players and, and not really compete for the, the two seed, but it, it really opens things up for, for the likes of the Browns and the Dolphins, giving them potentially easier matchups, particularly for the Browns who are playing Mason Rudolph. What, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, that is what I'm kind of going to talk about next. It kind of makes sense because only one team is now getting that bye week due to the extra team coming in. And I feel like, you know, if you want to rest your starters, you can. I feel like the NFC is actually a bit more interesting in that case because I feel like Saints, Seahawks and Packers will all start their matches aiming to win. And I think they'll all kind of keep an eye on what's going on. And I think if it looks like the Packers are going to absolutely rout the Bears, then I feel like that's when Seahawks and Saints may, might pull their starters in the second half and play, you know, their second, like not second fiddles team, but you, yeah, they'll rest their starters, I think. Yeah, I mean, just just quickly, because they're at risk of it being a medium five rather fast five, but uh, the Packers obviously have just lost Bakhtiari until probably October, November of next season. And he's the best left tackle in the league uh, by some stretch. But, so they're going to be playing Je- uh, probably Elton Jenkins at left tackle. Do they, you know, if Khalil Mack's having a day against Rodgers, you know, when do they sit him and say, right, this is happening now, we've got to save him for for the playoffs you know it's, it's going to be an interesting game uh, a lot more interesting than people think I think but if they win they do have they do get a buy-in itself so there's there is that added benefit whereas the the Steelers bills they they, they wouldn't have a buy so they're sort of having to use week 17 as it I guess yeah good point about them having a bye week coming up anyway Packers I'd never really thought about that Shona who misses out in the AFC wildcard race okay I'm going to say the Colts miss out purely because Yes, they will beat the Jack, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars on the road on Sunday. I have no question about that. But I don't think it's enough 
for Indianapolis to get into the playoffs because they need too much uh, like other scenarios to happen for them to get there. You know, the Titans need to, need a win to clinch the AFC South crown and they're on the road against the Houston Texans. Um, the Dolphins are going to be playing the Bills and we don't, we don't know yet uh, what kind of team the Bills are going to be putting out. And as um, Adam just mentioned, the Buffalo can't get a first round bye. Um, they've already clinched the division title, so they might, you know, take it as their week 17, sort of their bye week. So, yeah, for me, out of everyone that's in the mix, I think the Colts will just narrowly miss out. Sounds like everyone's going to, to win out then. But, well, let's see what Duncan thinks. Who <laughs> wins the AFC South? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good answer for you as a, as a Ravens fan, isn't it? But uh, and I'm <laughs> going to go along with that. It's, it's the easiest question you could have posed for me. Um, bring us back to a faster five. Uh, the Titans beat the Texans and the Colts beat the Jaguars and the Titans win the division. Easy. Adam, who misses out in the uh, NFC wildcard race? I think it's the Bears. I, I think the, they'll get in. They'll, they'll miss out by default or the Rams will get in by default, I should say, in terms of the fact of with, with Jared Goff's injury. But even if they lose, the Bears still need to beat the Packers. So that's, I, I think we'll see three NFC West teams in, in the NFC playoffs. That is absolutely fascinating because the guy who's quarterback in the Rams now, I've I not heard of him. Uh, a lot of people haven't. I can't remember his name at the moment. And they've got to beat the, the Cardinals who are themselves you know, trying to secure that place, aren't they? Fascinating. I think it would be a shame for the Cardinals not to make the playoffs. I think they've been amazing this season. I, I really like Kyler Murray's style of play. I think Cliff Kingsbury is proving he is going to be a good head coach in the NFL. I was a bit dubious about him to start with. And I think they deserve to be in the playoffs more than the Bears. And this is my opportunity when we're speaking about the NFC West to put my smug hat on. Because when we did the preseason previews of the NFC West, everybody laughed at me when I said the 49ers were going to be the only team that missed the playoffs <laughs> of that bunch. You didn't know they were all going to get injuries, though. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still claiming it. I'm still work. claiming it. <laughs> I didn't think the Seahawks would clinch the title, so I'm pleasantly happy with that. Yeah, I, I had to eat some humble pie last week. <laughs> well, that's all for today's show. We hope you had as much uh, fun as we did recording this. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics uh, we discussed and keep an eye out for the trouble in the huddle poll. If you have any feedback, then you can tweet us at 99yards. Happy New Year! <laughs>
by refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed. You can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.